0: Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. It is Thursday, September 14th. We are T-minus two days from the visit by Florida Atlantic. T-minus nine days from the visit from another team from Florida. Not that we're looking ahead. Well, we kind of are. Sorry. I think everybody is. But regardless of which team from Florida, we're going to have you covered at TigerIllustrated.com. The best coverage of Clemson football and recruiting anywhere. at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience it's a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service, integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's Solutions, You can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Celero at celerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. All right, this dude brings back memories of when I was young and a lot more clueless than I am now. I'm still pretty clueless, but a lot more back in the early 2000s working for the Augusta Chronicle covering Georgia, And a true sensation that came along wearing the number 47 jersey early in the Mark Richt era. David Pollack is still a sensation, as you're going to hear right here. Great stuff. Enjoy. All right. Joined by David Pollack. How you doing, man?
1: Doing wonderful. How you doing, brother?
0: i'm doing great uh you we were before i hit record you're just telling me about your son beating you in running so tell me tell me a little more about that
1: Man, why you gotta bring that up? that's how you gonna start <laughs> the interview bro you just you want to fight huh um yeah now my son's always he's always enjoyed running long distance um and it was just very strange to me as when he was younger too and um how much he liked to run and then this past year he went out for for track and it was a uh, it was the first time I had that moment as a, as a fourteen year old. It was the first time I was telling my buddies I was like that. I, he can, he can get me because he ran the eight hundred um, for the first time and he ran two fourteen. Wow! Um, so that was that was kind of crazy. Uh, at the end of the season, that's what his last time was for for county purposes. And um, but it was just a. It was a strange thing, strange feeling, but I appreciate you bringing that up to start the interview, talking about how old I'm getting and how much better my son <laughs> is than me.
0: Man, you don't remember me, but I remember you. I covered Georgia when you were there for the Augusta Chronicle, and uh, great memories, man. Um, I remember when you came up to Clemson in 2003. what did you do? You, you stripped Charlie Whitehurst? Was that what it was?
1: No, nah, he threw he threw me a nice little interception on a tunnel screen.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: It was a, it was a it was a tunnel screen. It, it's funny. It's a it's a good story for Cle, not for Clemson's fans, it's not a good story, but like I remember I was I was beating their their left tackle pretty good and uh, I remember they put this little tiny guy in like and I I want to say I'm pretty positive he was like third on the depth chart. <laughs> and I remember lining up on third down and I was like there is no way that in this situation they're going to ask him to block me. Surely a screen or something's coming. And they ran a little tunnel screen, and I and I literally just – as soon as the ball was snapped, I kind of got my hands up and I picked it off. And then being the idiot I am, I tried to run Charlie over. I had no desire to <laughs> score a touchdown. I was running right at him to try to put him <laughs> on my hood. So, But, yeah, that was uh, – Clemson fans, that was 30 to nothing, Georgia, just on that day. Just letting you know.
0: <laughs> they remember. <laughs> <laughs> that's some amazing situational awareness there, man. I know this guy is not going to be expected to block me, so I'm going to go out into the flat here. I mean, that's that, is that not impressive?
1: Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, you get to, after you play football for all those years, you start to get a, a little bit of a thought process. I, I will say this after coaching kids now from six years old growing up, Um, now coaching high school football. I would say that's the one thing that I probably missed, uh, misdiagnosed the most about myself is you can talk about athleticism and you can talk about all the different parts of being a great athlete. Some people can process information really fast on the go and some people can't, and you can't teach that element of it. Um, But it's a huge part of athleticism that, that I think is vastly underrated when you start thinking about it because you just, it's just people that can really do that on the fly and think and think in the game situations and all that stuff goes into, man, all that stuff goes into being a great athlete. I mean, there's so much that goes into what you see on these guys on, you know, Saturdays or Sundays or vice versa.
0: The three things I remember from that game in 2003, hot as anything. Oh, it was hot.
1: Oh yeah. It was hot.
0: <laughs> Noon came just sweltering. The second thing I remember I mean, Clemson fans were jacked for that game. Like, there was real anticipation. Really early, David Green goes hard play action and hits Fred Gibson. Fred Gibson just toasts Justin Miller, who was their stud, Clemson's stud quarterback. Uh, And then I remember, and this is what I'm getting to, I want to see if you remember this, that every single Clemson fan who was alive then remembers this about that game. The starting center for Clemson, Tommy Sharp, Vomited on the football before. Vomited. He
1: <laughs> yes, that was disgusting. That was exception- That was exceptionally gross. That was the one time that I really appreciated playing defense and make, making sure I didn't have to touch the pigskin.
0: So, were you on? Were you on the line at that point? Like, uh, did you see it?
1: Oh, I saw it for sure. One hundred thousand percent. you in yeah, on you the field. Mind. I don't remember if I was on the field or not, but I vividly (laughs) remember that moment. I can promise you that. I I can't remember if I was on the field or not, but we were all like (laughs) gagging, gag reflexes.
0: (laughs) So good. David, all right. This is a tribute to you, I think, and the the professionalism that you carried yourself with, the respect that you earned uh, at ESPN. You know how crazy fans are. Um, It's just... Tribalism, you know, like they, they can. Every fan base is convinced that every media, every talking head is out to get them. Uh, that they only bash their team. And when you were let go, unfortunately, um, during the off season, the, the 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 vastly common sentiment was, "What in the world?" And I'm talking about Clemson fans here. Was he was what is going on here david was fantastic you know so i i think that's a tribute to you that even in these times that we're in when uh you know fan bases are 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 coming up with all sorts of reasons to think that whatever talking head is against them that um you commanded respect from the fanatics and i think that's probably the highest compliment that one could 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 have in that moment
1: no that is that is a great compliment um you know, listen, it's a, it's an interesting business. And and I think if you're not, if you're doing it right, I think you probably have a lot of people that are going to disagree with you, you know, because if you're making bold statements and you're saying that so-and-so can't, I mean, I mean, think about it. Like I, I, uh, I was very clear. I, I would say, I think it was about two and a half years ago. Now I was, one, I was the first person to talk about Dabo Sweeney in the transfer portal. Mm. I mean, I, I was very up front, I was like, listen, this reminds me a lot of Coach K. Coach K refused the one-and-done era. He, and then all of a sudden, Coach K changed his mind. He he got into the one-and-done world, and he got to win another championship. And I think Dabo's going to have to do the same thing. So I think, listen, I, I think there's, there's mutual respect, which is cool. Um, but also a bunch of people in Clemson, too, that are – um, you know, that's a different fan base. I mean, that's just the, the way they run their organization, the, the fans, I visited there coming out of high school. I mean, it's hard not to love that place. And um, so definitely got a lot of respect for the, the Clemson fans and definitely appreciate um, the respect shown. Uh, and, and, and appreciated the hate too, by the way. Like when I picked against Clemson or I said something you know negative about Clemson, they were also the first ones to come yelling at you, you know, which, which is part of it. And it's the awesome part of it. And it's the part that I literally used to say, If I'm not getting that hatred, I'm not doing my job. That means I'm not calling a spade a spade. You know how many times that I've been called Benedict Arnold in Athens, Georgia? (laughs) I mean, Athens, Georgia. Like all them folks are like, how can he pick against Georgia? Like how can he? I'm like, bro, I don't think you're gonna win every game. I'm sorry. Like at at some point, there's there's just a there's a chance you guys might lose. You know, and so uh, I think it's uh, it's a part of the business and it's the fun part for sure, man.
0: How long did you spend doing it for ESPN?
1: Dude, uh, I think 14, 15 years. Wow.
0: Ish. When did you, were you just always, did you always have that sort of part of you that's like, you know, I'm just going to call it like I see it, man. I'm going to call a spade a spade. Or did you grow into that and learn to do that? Or was it just naturally in you to begin with?
1: Uh, that's, I think that's naturally born in me. I, I'm, a, I'm a natural contrarian. Um, I definitely have the, if somebody's going to call it red, I'm going to call it, you know, orange, you know, I, I have, a, I have that naturally in me. I've always kind of been like that. Unfortunately, so does my daughter, by the way, um, <laughs> which can be super, super hyper annoying. Um, but no, that's, that's always kind of been my personality. I, I don't just go with what people tell me. I kind of want to know why. And if I disagree, I, I'll kind of let you know. Uh, but I'll say this, when I got to game day, I would say when I got to game day, it's kind of the first time I've done television where they kind of reeled me in. You know, now I think you watch television and you go, man, these guys say kind of whatever they want, whatever they feel. I was probably one of those guys that was was over the top and said what I felt and was not nice all the time. And um, But they really reeled me in because that wasn't what game day the show was about. Like that show, you know, back in the day was about, you know, everybody got along. Everybody was kind of – you know, uh, everybody was very respectful, the same type of opinion, agree, but agree, you know, disagree really nicely and tactfully. And and so it was a different era with television uh, when I came in. So I was actually kind of coached out of that some, you know, when I started my uh, career. So I I, I definitely was born with that in me.
0: I know how you took the news because I watched uh, a podcast that you did recently and I, I followed sort of the aftermath of you getting laid off but for those who, who aren't uh who aren't aware of, of it how can you just take us back to when it happened and, and 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 sort of how you process process it at the beginning
1: well it was this summer and we were about to go on a trip um to actually go to go to Maine and to Boston with the family and my phone rings and it was one of the main guys at ESPN and I was like that's interesting and something a part of me just was like, uh oh, yeah, like that didn't it didn't really settle. And then he told me the news, man. And it was just like, "Whoa, OK, because, um, you know, usually ESPN makes a bunch of cuts every year. But, you know, game day is typically not a show that has changed a lot. And um, so it was definitely a huge surprise. Um, and then it was like, oh, my goodness. OK, you know, I told my wife right away. And then um, I think the hard part was the hardest part by far was was two things was one was telling my wife. And, or excuse, one was telling my kids. Mm. I did not think that would be difficult, but telling them, Leah, my daughter, all of a sudden was like, "Well, wait a minute. Are, are we, are we going to be okay?" You know, and like she kind of got a little bit upset, and I was like, "Oh crap!" You know, like, "No, we're fine, baby. Like God's got us." And um, and then telling Reese because Reese is my dude. I mean, Reese is my guy on the road. That I I mean, I just I did life with Reese. I just love Reese so much. Have somewhat a tremendous amount of respect for Reese and who he is, and you know, kind of look at him as a definitely a big brother figure and. <laughs> Uh, so that was really really hard but man it was just you know it's just one of those things that happens in life and that's the way it works right like I I definitely am not one of those guys that are gonna uh, cry because something's over I'm gonna smile because it happened and immediately just thought about man what an awesome ride you know Mm. I got to do that for for like 12 plus years on college game day and travel the world and see the country and I'm like dude how cool is that and And so I was just very appreciative for the opportunity. And then I I sent, I sent out a message of that and um, you know, it it was, it was well received I think by a lot of people and it was super nice and a lot of good comments like you were talking about with, you know, with Clemson fans and and fans across the country. And it was just um, you know, it was really cool to see that, you know, you kind of had an impact that people enjoyed what you did. And I I was just, just very thankful that, that I got the opportunity to be able to do that. And now, I was interested in, in what's next, you know?
0: What were the first two weekends, or I guess three weekends, including week zero, like for you as you're on the outside looking in?
1: Awesome. <laughs> I mean, fan <laughs> flipping fantastic, And I say that, man, because, you know, like during, this, during the day, during the week, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of balls to the wall with, you know, coaching high school football. Um, my daughter plays volleyball. My son plays, plays football and we're going from game to game and, and, and match to match, whatever you call volleyball things. I don't even know. We just started that this year. Um, and, uh, busy and, and dude, the last couple of Saturdays, it's been really cool because I remember I get I, nine o'clock, my workout group, we, we work out, we play pickleball for you know, an hour, an hour or so. And like, so I come in the house at like 11 something I sit down, I make some food, it's 12 o'clock, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the games are starting. <laughs> like, it, I have nothing to do. This is amazing. Like, I'm going to sit here on my fat rear end and do absolutely nothing. Like, I think it was, um, man, it was just super awesome. You know, just to to feel that. And and now I understand why my buddies every year during the season, they're like, just can't wait till football season gets here. And I can't wait till Saturday gets here. Well, I was traveling, you know, I was always working and gone and doing this. And now I get it. Now I see why y'all love Saturdays so much. and, Um, you know, the first Saturday, my son and daughter were like, Hey, I want to go to the Georgia game. Boom. We scooted down the road. We went to the Georgia game. Um, you know, starting to play a little bit of golf on Saturdays now with, with my son, like, Hey, start some new traditions, do some new different things. And, uh, so it's been, it's been fan flippantastic.
0: How old are your kids?
1: My son is 15 and my daughter is uh, 13.
0: Gotcha. It's it's funny. Uh, Coincidentally, this morning, Jeff Scott, or maybe maybe last night, anyway, the former head coach, South Florida, you know, a former assistant coach at oh, Clemson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's living in Clemson now uh, with his family, and he's not working. And there were some pretty rampant rumors back in January when, when Garrett Riley uh, came aboard at Clemson that Jeff Scott was also coming aboard. And so Jeff had a little tongue in cheek um, tweet. Uh, And he had a video. Well, first of all, he said the rumors are true. I think I'm I'm remembering this right. I am, in fact, I have, in fact, returned to Clemson to coach. And it has a video of him coaching his daughter's uh, soccer, youth soccer team.
1: That's amazing.
0: And just watching it, I got a little weepy because I'm like, man, I remember my daughters on that same field doing that same thing, playing that same sport. And the fact that Jeff gets to experience that and is choosing to experience that. I mean, you're not choose. you know, you didn't choose your path, uh, recently, but the fact that both of you are getting to experience that, I think is, uh, <clears throat> really, uh, precious, precious times, you know, uh, being around your children at, at this, at whatever ages, yours are much older than his, but, but still amazing.
1: Oh, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't take it for granted. I mean, I you know, listen, my job was really awesome, and I I appreciated my job, and I loved what I was doing, and I would still be doing it if I wouldn't have gotten, you know, let go. But here's the thing. Like, there's beauty in everything, and and in every situation, like God's teaching us something. He's going to show us something and reveal us something. But I was gone a couple days a week for 17 weeks in a row. So you can slice it however you want to. I mean, the bottom line is I was gone. You know, I wasn't gone in the out of season at all, but like I'm I'm at every volleyball match for my baby girl. I'm at I'm coaching coaching her eighth grade basketball team, you know, this year. I'm at all of my son's stuff. I'm going to be at all of their stuff. So there's definitely some, some beauty in that. There's some beauty in slowing down and, um, you know, being at home and being in a routine. I I thoroughly enjoy too, like not leaving every weekend. You know, I know I'm going to be at home and this is simple, but I'm like a foodaholic by the way. Like I am a, I'm a psycho on my diet. Like it would, this would be a whole nother podcast. Like I eat the same (laughs) meal every single day. Like I am so very disciplined in what I do and being home every single day really allows me to get all of my, what I want to get in my, my food, my workouts, my walking, like my, my, my regimen. um, I thoroughly enjoy. And now I get to kind of get that set. So more time with my bride, more time with my babies. I got four more years with both of my babies in the house. And then, you know, then my son's gone and then my daughter's got one year after that. So, I mean, just this season for, to be able to push a reset and really reevaluate, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be? What's important to you? Like, it's, it's been an awesome process. The art, I call it the art of the possible lately. Like, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? What's next? What, what, what is going to get you out of bed and go, dude, I want to do that, that man Makes me excited. That makes me happy. Um, so those are conversations, man, and things that have been swirling around, and conversations that I've had that have been awesome.
0: Ooh, all right, you got to tell me about the diet.
1: Well, I, again, this is going to be boring as crap to probably most people, but like I eat the same food every single day, and I'm boring. But I know what I, I know what I want from a macro standpoint, and so like every morning I have an egg, three quarters carton of egg whites uh, and 80 grams of oats. That's my, that's my breakfast. And that's going to be in the 10 to one o'clock window. Um, and then my second meal is going to be the same thing every day. It's going to be blueberries. It's going to be Greek yogurt, you know, plain Greek yogurt without any sugar. And then I'm going to have uh, skinny pop, My skinny pop popcorn. Skinny pop is probably the most amazing popcorn in the history of the world. <laughs> like I need an endorsement from skinny pop because it's that kind of good. Um, <laughs> And so, and that's my second meal. And then my third meal is a big meal at night. And that's where my wife is going to cook and we'll have, you know, shrimp, chicken, steak, you know, something to that capacity. And then I'll have some rice with it or um, a a carb with it and some fruit and some vegetables. So that's, it's the same thing every single day. It's, it's, it's very repeatable.
0: Can you take me through your process during the week back when you were, when when you were uh, working for ESPN and traveling for 17 weeks. It's not just leaving Thursday or whenever. You're also having to do a lot of homework during the week. Can you take me t- through that, the, the typical routine for you?
1: Yeah. If, if you want to be good, you got to study, right? Yep. Like if you want to be good, you want to know you know, what you're talking about. I don't want to read. I was not a big fan of reading people's articles and taking their word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put a lot of time in, into watching tape and watching games and, um, and that, and by the way, that also requires, you know, Saturday and that requires, you know, some Sunday and Monday, you know, usually I put my kids to bed and my, my wife would go to sleep and I'd stay up till two or three in the morning watching all the games. So I'm caught up. So I'm ready to know what I want to discuss the next week. So you know, you're, you're, you're chasing your kids around, you're making the most of it. But a lot of times it ends up being where I was burning the, the end of the night, the burning the midnight oil. Right. Like I was staying up later than I needed to to make sure that I got everything in. And um, now I watch it. And, and by the way, I still can't turn my brain off like I don't. I don't watch football games like a fan. I just don't. I don't have that ability in me. Like, I'm watching personnel groupings. I'm watching defense. I'm watching the chess match. I just I just always have. I love that part, the component of the game. Um, so I'm still watching, but I just don't have to get in the weeds as much. You know, I don't have to know everything about every conference and everybody who was going on all over the place and, and be ready to talk about it. So I just get to be a fan and follow what I want to follow. And, um, which is still the main things in college football. You know, I'm tuned into uh, every, every big game every weekend because it's just, it's fun to watch.
0: Were you watching, did you have like, were you able to access a special type of all 22 when you were doing your homework? Oh yeah. Okay.
1: Oh yeah. We've got an app where we can watch. I can, I can click on any game the past three or four years and any specific matchups and go to that team and watch certain guys. And so really you go, you know, if you're studying a team, you really want to get a feel for what they've been the last two or three weeks. If you really want to know what they are. Um, so a lot of times if you're watching something, you're going to go watch the last two or three games or, you know, if, if and here's, this is in the weeds again. So if somebody's LSU and Alabama is playing, and you're going to see that and you want to see that matchup again, you go back to the last year's matchup and you watch, strategically how they covered each other, you yeah. know, uh, what plays worked, what plays didn't work. How would you attack? Okay. I think they'll come back to this this year. So now you fast forward. Okay. Uh, who have they played this year with a similar type system? Okay. Now let's watch that game. Cause listen, when I made picks, I wanted to be right. Like I don't, I, I'm not standing up there. There's a lot of people that don't care. Like they don't care about their picks right, wrong and different. That's fine. If I'm making a pick and I'm putting my name on it, I want to be right, bro. And so that kind of goes to my, Nature of that, so I probably did a lot of crap I didn't need to do. If I was if I was picking a game, I don't care who it was. Like I wanted to go back and watch. I, I would never forget watching Jackson State a couple of years ago. We were picking the game. I watched a couple of Jackson State games. You know, like I just I, I, I wanted to know what I was seeing.
0: You could have mailed it in with Jackson State.
1: No, because I would have known.
0: Right. I'm just saying. A lot of people say, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit that one out. I'm just gonna flip a coin."
1: Yeah, and you can, can, but your name's on that coin. That's right. (laughs) I just, that was something that I I always, you know, I I wanted to watch something and try to figure out something first.
0: What was the hardest part of that job other than just being away, the technical parts of it, having the earpiece and people talking in your ear, being on camera? Did it take, like, what was the most difficult thing for you to sort of master as you got really, really good at it?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say any of it was difficult, you know, like my role on game day was, you know, I was a bullpen guy. So I think, you know, coming in, you know, you've got a lot of energy and you want to get your energy out like you're, you're excited to see the crowd for the first time and feel it and everybody else has kind of already felt it. Um, so I think kind of just managing my role and understanding what my job was and um, learning how to be a really good teammate, you know, like listening to people and try to help whenever something gets off maybe a little bit. How can I plug in? How can I know that so-and-so like this? So-and-so doesn't like this? I think kind of. You know, learning your role and what that is, and it took some time to figure that out, and where I stood, and what I needed to say, what I didn't need to say, and what bothered certain people and stuff. I think that's definitely something that you got to learn.
0: The night before games, Friday night, like let's say you're in Clemson, uh, getting ready for game day. Do you have a routine? Do you get get to bed by a certain time?
1: No, I mean no, no routine. Early on, we used to always. Um, we used to always go out to eat together. You know, me, Kirk, bear, all of us used to go out to eat all the time. Um, and then as the years went on, people changed and people left and people came. And just like me, for example, I brought my son and a friend with him almost every weekend. I mean, probably 75 to 80% of the time I brought I brought him, I brought him or a friend with me and my daughter didn't really want to come. So I brought her a couple times. Uh, my family all together would come Uh, so, you know, as, as we got older, the routines changed, but now you stay up as late as you need to, depending on what you got done that week. And, uh, but no, no specific routines, but you always, you know, ordered food to the hotel. I always ordered food to the hotel on Friday. I always worked out on their facilities, uh, wherever facilities we were at on Friday to get, make sure I get a workout in. Um, so you had some staples of some things that you, you know, you typically ate and typically tried to keep on routine.
0: And then after game day, did you have more responsibilities like that night? I can't recall.
1: Well, back in the day, yes. Back in the day, we used to stay and and do a recap after the game, um, you know, on the field, which was kind of crazy because those became long nights. But as we got older in the process and did it more and more, we kind of refined it and other people did other things and we weren't necessary. So if my son and, and a friend came or my family came, we always went to the game. If they didn't, then I would try to find the first flight out to get home
0: and then i guess catch up on the games that you missed when you catch when you up on the home. games
1: that you missed but more importantly catch up with your babies cuz you ain't seen yeah. them in a couple of days if we wrong,
0: you have a top 3 favorite places that you went for uh, uh, during those during that time M-
1: man you always love the small ones you know like the i think the the small no blizzard no you always love the small ones um, the North Dakota state, the James Madison's Washington state has to be on everybody's list. I mean, that was just, it was unbelievable Scene at 6am fighting thrown off fireworks. And you think about like the flag being at all those game days, so many consecutive weeks in a row and all that stuff like that was lit. I mean, they were, they were jacked up man beyond belief. Um, let's see. Uh, what am I missing? I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of other ones, but those little ones were definitely the ones that stood out the most, man, that you, that you absolutely loved. And, um, that just the people were so gracious. I mean, they were just so, thank you so much for coming. Um, uh, you know, that, that will be a, uh, that will, that would be the, the, the part that stood out and was different. And then the fan bases all came App state last year was one of those. It was awesome. You know, just, Different feel, different crowds, um, seeing a different venue, and people that were so grateful.
0: Did you ever have any interest in, in doing actual booth uh, analyst work?
1: I did early in my career. Okay. You know, I used to call. I used to call Thursday night football games. Me, Reese Davis, and Jesse Palmer. That's
0: right. I'm sorry, I forgot about that.
1: Oh, you know, you girl, I don't care. Are you kidding me? I don't remember <laughs> everything you did either. So, um, I used to do that, and that added to the week too, and made the week even longer back in the day. Uh, but no, I, I got out of the booth, but I, I, I always thought I might return to it one day. Um, but uh, <laughs> obviously not anytime soon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so <clears throat> we're going to get to Khalil Barnes because that was one of the re- big reasons I reached out to you. But you mentioned earlier, you were one of the f- one of the first to sort of say, Dabo, you better get on this portal thing. Here we are, uh, Clemson out of the top 25. And this is after back-to-back three lost seasons, after getting humiliated by Tennessee, by South Carolina, by Notre Dame. And you got the Seminoles rolling into town here next week. What do you make of Clemson? What is wrong with Clemson right now?
1: Well, first of all, you had a pretty amazing run of quarterbacks. Yep. That was pretty dope when you got Trevor Lawrence and – um, Deshaun Watson, that's pretty dang good, dude. Um, I, I would say a couple things have happened. One, you haven't found the quarterback the last couple years is a big deal. Um, I, I think the times change just like everybody, everything else, and, and I think you have to continue to change. And I, I think I, I think Davo has to be willing and okay with going into the portal because he loses people in the portal. But I would say this. I was, that doesn't mean he has to forfeit who he is. I think you can still find a bunch of really, really good kids that fit the Clemson model in the portal. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that's mutually exclusive. Um, So I I think that's, you know, something that will be revisited. I think losing Brent Venables was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And that's just me. Like, I just think I've been around Brent for so many years and I've been around practices all all across college football and spent time with people. There is very few people that have more energy than Brent Venables. And when you got a guy like Davo who is who he is, who is an unbelievable man, like I love that dude. I'm just a huge fan. Unbelievable man. Unbelievable coach. Um, his coaching style is complemented really nicely with a, with a Venables. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. When you got a guy that can really communicate with you and and get on your level and and, and associate with you, and then you got a dog that's going to bite you on the butt. You know what I'm saying? Like you you got somebody that can really push you. So I I think that there's, those things have worked against, you know, not having a quarterback, losing so many guys to the transfer portal that just naturally happens nowadays, um, you know, in in programs, uh, losing Venables. Um, finding now a quarter you know finding a quarterback obviously I I think those are some key contributors to to Clemson sliding off a bit from a run that was as good as any we've seen in college football
0: what did you think of when Venables left the decision to promote Wes Goodwin who had not only had he never run his own room he had never even coached a, a position never never been on the field really what did you think about it at the time
1: Listen, everybody's got their own styles and hires. And one thing that you got to respect about Dabo that makes it pretty clear, which is why the, the Riley thing was interesting this offseason, is, listen, he likes to promote from within. And Tony Elliott, you know, you, you talk about the – Scott. we talked about these coaches. Are, like, he's, he's done a good job and had success early in his career finding guys and, and, and developing from within and give, and rewarding those guys for being true to who they are and, and, and true to him, you know. And uh, so I think that um, – it's not necessarily how I would do it. And I say that because I'm at Clemson. I've got a lot of funds. I mean, I, I'm a successful program. I'm, I'm killing it. Like I, I might say that, Hey, who, who's one of the best DCs in college football that's young, that can come in, learn our culture, be a part of our culture, join us in what we're doing and, and, and still help us accomplish these things, but not lose who we are. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's, it's a big deal who Dabo Sweeney is and how he runs his program and what he's going to do with those kids. Like it's an awesome, awesome deal. And it's special and it's unique. And I think you can still keep that without, um, I don't think you have to always promote from within, but listen, Dabo's done an incredible job resurrecting Clemson. And it's hard to argue with a lot of the things he's done because a lot of it has worked out to, to his benefit and to, and to Clemson fans who's got two rings because of it.
0: Ben Boulware, who you definitely remember, um, told me, I guess, a year or so ago that when he played here, that the thing that terrified, the most terrifying side of his life was seeing, was looking to the sideline after he made a mistake and, and seeing the white foam in the corner of Brent's. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Listen, dude, hey, having people that have those roles so Dabo doesn't have to do that and be that is important, man. Like it, every coach has a different style and how they lead and who they are. Like Brent is who he is. And that sucker is high energy. You know, you've seen the get back coach for years at Clemson. You see the frothing at the mouth. Like that's who he is. And by the way, I will guarantee you this 4,000%. You will not find a good coach in America that doesn't agree with this. Every coach. every player in an organization takes the temperament of who they're surrounded by. You embrace and you, John Fabris at at Georgia was Mm -hmm. high energy, like a mug. I mean, all over the place, crazy, (laughs) ADD, yelling, screaming at me. I'm high energy, like a mug. Like it was like a daggum lighter fluid, you know, just spraying it on there. And coaches that have that ability to bring that energy every day, a player feels like you're cheating them. If you don't, it it's it's an amazing amazing thing you you will absolutely take on the persona of your coach
0: and that's what I'm sort of I want to get to get get at I guess is you said Venables doing that meant that Dabo did didn't really have to. I think a question that Clemson fans right now are legitimately asking it, does does the current defensive coordinator and staff? Are they? Do they have the same command? Do they have the, put the same fear of God in the players? And is Dabo, as a result, if he's having to stretch himself to do it, is it stretching him too thin? Are those fair questions to you? Uh,
1: sure. I, I mean, if you're telling me, uh, if you're asking me about the offensive coordinator, he's been there for two games.
0: No, no, no. Defense. So, I'm sorry, defensive coordinator, Wes Goodwin. Yeah, I
1: mean, yeah. So bringing in a new guy. Um, I mean, I, I'll say this from a defensive standpoint. You know watching a, a talented front seven last year an uber uber talented front seven they weren't as disruptive as they should have been right and 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 that's just calling a spade a spade i, I mean i thought that group underperformed a lot like and I, i'm not that that group this year is a talented front seven they should be really really good the secondary this year i think is even has improved from last year so You know, if it stays on pace for what it is, of course it's underperforming. Um, You know, offensively, you know, watching, you know, week one versus Duke completely out of sync. Um, I don't see the playmakers that used to be at Clemson either. I mean, I just remember the playmakers palooza outside – you know, with Higgins and company and, and, and uh, daggum Sammy Watkins and Noob Hopkins. Like it, it was wide receiver. You, yeah, like, you were just like, oh, who's that freak Debo? Like the next freak, the next freak, the next freak, you know, like just a lot of them. And who's that guy ben? You you haven't found that guy either. So I think it's a combination of not having the quarterback and, you know, changes and all this stuff that a great coach um you know is going to have to answer these questions and and try to find a way to continue to figure them out
0: do you think they can hang with florida state next week i to
1: me and what i've seen so far this year i think florida state's the best team in the country and and that's just that's my opinion that's how i feel and my wife tells me all the time feelings are never wrong so uh, apparently i'm right um (laughs) but no i mean I, i think uh I think it's going to be really, really tough. I think Jordan Travis is 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 really good. I think he's going to be a, a big problem um, for anybody to contain. I think they got you see you've seen Keon by the way. Good lord, he's mm. been unbelievable. Um, you know the one thing that I will say is Florida State's got dudes on the defensive line too, all over the place. They got yeah. dude they got dudes everywhere. The one thing that I'll say, the reason they got a good chance, that suckers in Death Valley, bro. Yeah. And there ain't very many places that will sh- the earth will shake when they play a game like it does in Death Valley and the bus and the rock, bro. It's one of the greatest things you'll ever see in your life, and I think that being um, at home is a is a giant deal um so i I think i i definitely think clemson will have a chance but i do think it'll tell us a lot about clemson moving forward and and where they're at because norvell and florida state's been nipping right and they've been trying to come and get that spot and people for the last couple years have been you know nipping at at clemson and 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 it it feels like there's a couple teams that are ready to say wait a minute i want to be the new sheriff in town
0: you mentioned john fabris i had my own uh, terrifying experience with him. Um, it was when I was co- covering you guys, we were over at butt's Mirror, and the reporters at that time would wait out in that like lobby area outside the locker room and, uh, wait on whoever to come out, uh, to interview. And I was, I was interviewing Fabris for a story and I was standing in the middle of that little atrium area, whatever it is on top of a big G <laughs> <laughs> oh no
1: you didn't. He comes uh, out. Oh no he, you don't. He, you don't he, stand on, you don't stand on the you don't stand on the G there, homie G. No, 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 no.
0: He comes up to me and he's like nose to nose with me and I'm like, Man, he's standing oh. awfully close. Like this is a little uncomfortable. I can smell his breath. Oh yeah. And he's not saying anything. He's just sort of like look looking like he wants to wring my neck. And I'm like, Is everything okay? And he goes, the G. And I said, the what? And he said, you're standing on the G. <laughs> and he, I thought he was going to kill me.
1: <laughs> yep, I bet, you, I bet you got off that G, though, didn't you? I
0: Yes, in about 1.5 seconds. How, how far back with Dabo do you go? How, how, what kind of a relationship do you have with him?
1: Well, I, I played against him. He was an assistant coach at uh, at Clemson at that time, back in 'O two and 'O three when we played against each other. And then, obviously, when I started covering... Um, you know, college football, I started to have interactions with Dabo, you know, right away. And, um, one of the few coaches that I actually, uh, do have a good relationship with in college football. And, you know, we had him on our family goals podcast not too long ago. And he's, uh, because he's right in line with with what I am and who I am. So I go back with Dabo a long way, brother.
0: You said one of the few coaches you have good relationships with. What do you mean? Uh,
1: I don't talk to a lot of coaches. I, I don't, um, I've always tried to uh, I've tried to keep an arms distance from coaches, and I and I say that because I'm, I've never been real interested. I've never wanted to to have to uh, I've never wanted to have to change my thought pattern or what I say because I have a relationship mm-hmm. with a coach. So I've always done a pretty good job of of staying away from getting coaches' numbers, staying away from talking to coaches. I, I did not text. I very rarely ever speak to coaches, college football coaches, you know, via phone calls or via text message. I, I tried to make sure that I kept that at an arm's length so I could say what I felt, and even if that was something that people didn't necessarily care
0: for. That's so interesting because the normal routine for getting ready for a game, whether it's Herb Street or or the or the play by play guy or whoever, is to talk to the coach the day before the game. Right. No. Yes, sir. And uh, I, I mean, I, I that's pretty advanced on your part to be able to say, you know what? I want to be able to have my opinion and it, and it be totally independent and not worry about getting some angry phone call the next day from that. Well, head coach.
1: And here's here's what I'll say to that. So I called games for a number of years and I sat in those meetings. What I quickly realized and this is this is this is at least 15 years ago now. Um, so what I realized was, you know, going back to those to those Thursday night games, was 90% of the time, these dudes are just telling me what I want to hear. <laughs> so, like, they're not telling me the truth. They're not giving me, you know, game plan stuff of you know what they're going to do anyway. So I, I was always like, well, it was kind of a, almost a waste of a time really to, to go through the meetings with them. Um, but I definitely, yeah, I definitely Uh, chose a long time ago not to to forfeit that right to get information, which, which a lot of times I didn't know about stuff that was going on, but I didn't really necessarily care about that side of it.
0: Upstate folks, and particularly Clemson area folks, there's a great tradition that's been going on recently in Westminster, the Music on Main Free Music Festival in downtown Westminster. I can vouch for it, having played there and also attended on several occasions. It's put on by the Westminster Music Center, a non-profit organization with the mission of promoting the joy of live music in the community. This Saturday, nationally known country rock musician Cruz Contreras, opening local act Matt Phillips, classic car show starts at three, concert starts at five. They'll have you out of there. In time to get back home and watch kickoff at 8 o'clock. More info, go to westminstermusiccenter.org. Upstate foodies. Want to take a moment to talk to you about our favorite taco spot, Willy Taco. Five locations across the upstate. This award winning team has been serving up fresh taco fusion for a solid decade now. The chefs at Willy Taco utilize the freshest, most creative, and sometimes unexpected ingredients in their kitchens. Come see why Southern Living, Garden and Gun, and Food and Wine Magazine are raving about Willy Taco and their signature offerings, such as their Southern Tide, Crispy avocado, Nashville hot chicken tacos, literally flavors you will not find anywhere else, folks. And don't forget about the cocktails, super fresh margaritas, ice cold cerveza, and over 80 tequilas served up daily from behind the bar. So don't wait, folks. Your Willy Taco Familia is ready to serve you up their twist on funky, fresh fusion. It's the Willy way. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Its office is located beside the Walmart Neighborhood Market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information go to foundersfcu.com Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm, Smith & Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864 326 3507. I think you said on a recent podcast that as you're sort of evaluating what you're going to do, that if you did get into coaching, that Georgia and Clemson would be two places to, to, I guess, the two places you would, you would consider, like, that was really interesting. And I think a lot of Clemson fans were interested in that. And so can you maybe give some, some insight into that?
1: I'm not sure that's how it went. Um, I I think it it was made, it it was just talked about sometimes about um, who I had talked to, had talked to or had talked to after my, after what happened. I see. Um, but, but, it, but if, but if you're asking me honestly, yeah, I mean, it, it would have to fit, you know, my personality, it would have to fit my lifestyle. And, um, you know, that's, that's one thing that that's why it's not happening right now. Like I a hundred percent will coach at some point in, in a larger capacity um, but right now I want to coach my babies and I want them to grow up with being very present. And I know my personality and my personality is a thousand miles an hour. And if I get started on something, it's hard to stop. And so I think it's, I got to make sure that I'm smart with what I'm jumping into and what I'm doing. That's, that's for dang sure. Because, because I know what, I know what's in the back of my head all the time. And a blizzard, no. I know it's in the back of my head all the time, and how I can get wrapped up and caught up in things.
0: Do you feel sorry for college football coaches right now? With I mean, you talk- a
1: hundred percent, yeah. a thousand percent. I mean, I, it's just it's it's not just football anymore. You know, like that's not that's not what they're asking these guys to do. I mean, with with NIL and then transfer portal and all those things that have come about, man, it's just it's not a it's not a good life, man. I mean, they just, you know, where you used to go on vacation and stuff and now they're recruiting their own players in those times. You just got, I mean, it's just tough, man. It's a a tough gig. Um, So no, I I don't, I don't envy them. I think it's a tough job. Um, I think it's, I think it's hard. I think it's uh, exhausting. I think recruiting has become exhausting. Um, keeping your own players happy is is exhausting managing time and all the stuff that goes into it there's a lot that goes into it man I'm definitely not envious of those guys
0: where are things headed with all the realignment and what nobody seems to know what we're going to end up with other than a super conference type of format but so many other things are attached to it that nobody can really figure out like NIL Portal, all that stuff. Um, are we just headed toward a straight collective bargaining, pay-for-play type type system? I
1: think we'll get there at some point, um, but I, I, I think it's interesting. And I actually just did a video on this, and I'm I'm going to post it. So I don't know what the timing of everything that will come about with this, but you know, it, one of the things that everybody's talked about for the last however many years that the SEC has just smashed people and won so many championships is parity, parity, parity. One of the what are the two things that people talk about they hate the most? NIL and Transfer Portal. Agree? Yeah. Well, you know what that you know what those two things have done? They've created parity in college football. Parity is here to stay because everybody used to go to Alabama and be a backup and be developed and waited for their time to shine. Now people are like, wait a minute, you can come here, you can make a lot of money. You sure you want to stay there? Like it's a totally different world, and it's a hard world to manage. It was new for a lot of people at the start and figuring it out. And But you look at Alabama's roster, and you look at some of these rosters, Ohio State and all these guys that had guys waiting in the wings at receiver for all those years, nah, that's not happening anymore. And and so it's just we're in an interesting spot because a lot of change is coming Uh, All the money that's in in this thing, the players are going to continue to get more. Um, They'll continue to have their say on on where they can go a lot of times, especially once. I think they they love having that say, continue to be able to maximize name, image, and likeness. But you do have to realize, name, image, and likeness was something that was also created to take advantage of you when you, or to, to take advantage of opportunities once you. Um, once you were successful in college. Mm-hmm. It was never instituted as something that you were trying to uh, pay people to come to college. And so and that's what it's become. And that's why the game's changed and it's totally different.
0: Over the last couple of years, I've heard so many fans say, you know what, all this NIL portal stuff, I'm just going to watch something else. I, I'm just not interested. I'm not going to be interested in this much longer. The past two weeks of college football has been bonkers the the ratings have been through the roof 10 million for was it eight eight to 10 million for colorado nebraska same thing with alabama texas and florida state lsu it seems like people kind of like what you just referred to the parody that has come about in 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 part large part probably uh because of because of nil and the portal
1: yeah no doubt it's definitely it's definitely changed the game and you know Dion, what he was able to do um, you know, so quickly by going to the portal completely, you know, I mean, it's, you know, and you, and you saw that with uh, Mel Tucker a year, you know, I think you can, I think you can kind of start a program off, get some hype by going to the portal, but I don't think you sustain a program through the portal. I think the portal's a, a starting point that for a lot of people and then you got to supplement it, but no, there's a lot of excitement. And, you know, those are the main reasons why is because, because of the, the money that's being thrown around now in college football is now being spread out. And so the players are going to be, continue to be more and more spread out.
0: Do you like that? Do you like the fact that the money's being spread out? Do you like the fact that we're headed toward probably collective bargaining?
1: Man, I, it doesn't matter what I like. I'm um, just curious. Well, I, no. I mean, but but I'm also the old guy that's saying get off my lawn. You know, like <laughs> so, I mean, I, I like what used to be. And, and I'm somebody who was you know, ultra thankful for what I had for – a college scholarship, like I'm jacked out of my mind that I got to do that, you know, and had that experience. And, um, so I, I think that, uh, you know, I don't necessarily love it, but I've started to embrace it for what it is. Um, and and I think that college football is going to be healthy regardless, you know, with this kind of money pouring in from TV deals and streaming deals that are going to continue to grow. Like it's, it's in a good spot where it's going to be very successful And, and shoot now that I got my Saturdays free, I like watching it.
0: All right. Khalil Barnes, where did that relationship begin? And tell us about, tell us about that whole thing. It seems kind of fascinating. I was just talking to Khalil a couple of days ago about it.
1: Well, it's KB for me. It ain't Khalil. Sorry um, about that. <laughs> that's, that's all, that's all we called him, you know, at North. Um, so, so first of all, like, um, you know, KB's a North Oconee Titan, which I coach at North Oconee. And I started really coaching the last, you know, the last two seasons, and really getting involved and um, KB stuck, stuck out right away. Obviously he signed with Clemson. So, you know, he was a really good player, but also a phenomenal kid And mama and daddy did such a great job with him. And then North O'Coney, the staff with, with Tyler, Art and those guys? I mean, they just, they do an unbelievable job building character and discipline and toughness. And so they, they, they get the majority of the, they get all the credit for, for what they've been able to do with Khalil. I came in a little bit later to the program and, um, I I think it's important for athletes to, I think it's one thing to tell athletes what to do. I think it's another thing when you can show them and you can ask KB, KB came in the weight room with me last year. I don't know if he talked to you about that or not, but like KB came to my gym in my weight room and KB got introduced to like a workout. (laughs) Like he got introduced. I did everything with him. I did box jumps with him, a higher box jump. I did squats with him, more weight. I did the row machine faster. And wow. I think it was, I think it was really, really cool for KB. And I say that because like KB's so much stronger than everybody we have at North and he's a better athlete and he's got all these things, but he didn't understand. Like there's also other levels to this. And I'm like, bro, you're about to walk into Clemson and you're about to have your mind blown what you're going to see. I was like, because I remember walking in going, where did that freak mutant come from? Where did that mutant come from? Like I said, it's going to blow your mind. So he started coming over and working out with me, and and we started getting after it. And and he was dying. And you can ask him about Death by Sled. You can ask him about the row machine. um, But he kept coming back. And I love that. Like he kept coming back, and he wanted to work, and he's just, um, you know, he's just, he's just an unbelievable kid, man. And there's a lot more to KB than just that, and that's why he's at Clemson because he's an unbelievable kid. He works hard. Um, So I got to coach him for you know a year at North. Again, the other coaches: Will Peters, Lucas, those, you know, Brad Williams and Blevin, or uh, not, but Hawkins and the go bear and those guys, they get all the credit for, you know, working with KB and doing that stuff. I just came to help him at the last minute. And then really with his faith, you know, I really wanted to challenge him with his faith because KB would, would, would definitely talk about his faith and was open about his faith. And, and then, you know, curse words would come out and I, and I'd be like, all right, so do, do we, do we live our faith all the time or just when we want to? You know, like, are we, you know, what's, what's it, what's really important to us and what should we say? And, um, you know, me and KB go through a book of the Bible every day, you know, and we just, we just went through John, we just finished John and now we're on Galatians and he picks a book and we'll go through it and we'll go do a chapter and we'll share thoughts on it. Um, So we talk a lot, like we, we talk almost every day. Now, listen, we're not every day. We'll, we'll miss a few days here and there. And, um, but the majority of the time just bouncing back, back and forth ideas. And, you know, if you're going to take away anything, it's really more that than anything else. It's like helping him grow as a, as a person and stretch him and spiritually and just love on him and lean on him and and challenge him a little bit and not be afraid to challenge him and, and, and push him a little harder.
0: And so this gym is at your house.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, I got everything, bro. I got, I got an indoor (laughs) basketball court. I got an indoor weight room that will blow your mind. Like you can, you can do anything you want to do in it.
0: Let's back up. You said you, 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 the high school, you coach at the high school, but when you were working for ESPN, I'm assuming that you wouldn't be at the actual games. You would just coach during the week.
1: Well, so here's, here's how that would work. We have, we had, we didn't have the greatest of schedule. Um, so what I would try to do is so say when, when we went to game day, app state, I stayed Friday. I coached. I got to, I got to app state at like three o'clock in the morning. I drove to wow. app state when we were at Clemson. I, I drove, I drove through the night after the game, drove to Clemson. We were at Georgia twice, you know, two or three times over the last couple of years. Um, so anywhere that was really close i would i would drive back and forth to make sure that i got to come to the game then i would miss some but when it got to be playoff times and it really mattered i would just i I would get a a flight out after the game and fly to wherever i was at for game day
0: wow what do you remember about uh kb's recruitment i know you know commitment to wake forest and all that i didn't know what your recollections were uh about that whole Uh process
1: Well, I I remember when he said when he started getting recruited by, you know, Notre Dame and Oklahoma and and it started to to open up more. I'll be honest. I I didn't know a lot about the recruiting world because I'm kind of new to the high school coaching world. Um, I knew what was inside KB's chest. I I knew how hard he works. I know how smart he is. Uh, I know much how he cares about football. Um, So I knew he'd be a really, really good player. I, I just I didn't know athletically how how you stack up. I knew he was the best we had. Um, that wasn't any doubt, and he could cover you know just about anybody we played, and we asked him to. Um, so I knew it was a, a slower process. He didn't get all the big names he wanted right from Jump Street, which he had to kind of keep pushing and earn, which is which is always a good thing.
0: What was it about Clemson that ended up making them the choice?
1: I think uh, I think exactly why me and KB are texting, you know, going through books of the Bible right now. I think it's – he wanted to go to a place like Clemson that um, was going to push him not just, you know, not just on the field but off the field. And uh, he's been telling me about some of the speakers that they had come in and and what they're going through and what they talk about and how the coaches are. And he just – he loves the atmosphere. And I I think that that's – you know, if you're going to talk about culture, um, you know, like I I have a Family Goals podcast like I told you about. Like I've had one high school – or I've had one college football coach come on and talk about – Culture and, and and Jesus and family goals who do you think that was huh. it was Davo you know like um so I think that it's a it's a unique place it's a unique set of values it's a unique system and I think um, North Coconney's like that with what all these coaches up here have built and I think it was it was similar in that aspect and then you know close down the road big time football big time success I think it made it pretty easy for KB
0: first start this past Saturday yeah baby do you think Dabo, do you think he's cut out for where college football is headed? Do you think he's going to adapt, or do you think he's, he's, at some point he's going to say, you know what, this ain't what I signed up for, I'm going to do something else?
1: I, I think anybody that bets, bets against Dabo is probably not a smart man. I know that. Because yeah. um, he's been doubted his whole life, um, you know, walks on it. Alabama. Nobody thinks he can be any good, and ends up earning a scholarship and winning a national title. And then, you know, he's he's given a he's he's made he's forced into coaching by Gene Stallings, who didn't give him an option. Basically, you know, forced him into coaching. And then he goes into coaching, and then he does he does pretty good. Starts working his way goes up the ranks. wasn't even a coordinator. And then Tommy Bowden gets fired, and he's the head coach and in room coach. And then all of a sudden, he's the most successful coach in Clemson football history. So. I think doubt him at your own right, at your own at your own will. I I don't think I'm going to sign up for that.
0: Yeah, and and what I'm saying is not necessarily doubt as much as or or lack of belief that he can pull something off. It's more based on some of the things he has said in the past. You know, said like if we start paying players, I'll I'll go do something else. I mean, he has said that. uh, You know, so I just don't. I'm just what I think a lot of people are curious about is will he stick around and, 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 and adapt to that, to that world, assuming that that world comes that is so different from, from what he is familiar with and and from what he loves?
1: Well, players are getting paid now. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's a part of college football now. So, and he's still there. Yeah. Um, He's still coaching. I think, um, I think a lot of us, I I don't know, man. I think a lot of us might not like systems and might not like things, but if you're, if you're, if you still get accomplished what you want to get accomplished out of it, which I think Dabo's mission to pour into kids and change people's lives and help them become great adults. Like I I think he's without coaching, you know, you don't have that opportunity as much. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, um, I hope he's, I sure hope he sticks around. I sure hope he does because he's an also example of, uh, how to live your life and, um, I tell you what, my, my son's a senior in high school, or a freshman in high school, excuse me, and he's a big kid, he's a gifted athlete. Like, it, it'd be hard to tell Dabo no. You know, I mean, just the type of man he is and who he is and what he stands for. And um, so I, I just, I, I sure hope that we don't lose one of his kind because i tell you this, before Dabo won a championship, been covering college football for a long time, um, I didn't know that, I didn't know you could win it that way. Yeah. And when I, when I say that is I just didn't know you could win it with a leader with who leads by, with love. You know, I I thought it was, you know, the dictators and a lot of times less tater.
0: (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like,
1: um, so, um, you know, you saw Saban and you saw Meyer and you saw those guys and how they were. And, um, so it was very refreshing. It was cool to see, man, like that you could do it a different way at the highest level and still beat those guys. And, um, so that's 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 definitely a, a part of it and a part of, you know, the history that he's created and he's been able to accomplish.
0: Every time you see a coach dancing in the locker room, Dabo started that, <laughs> you know, like making it yeah. fun and and then also promoting that fun, you know, on social media and all that stuff. Like, <clears throat> you know, he, he's the one who did it first from my recollection, you know, yeah. doing that type of thing. Do you think ESPN – What do you see as the future for for ESPN? I'm just curious, like, things are not good, obviously, you know, um, and with the cord cutting and all that stuff that is causing all this. I'm just curious if you have any thoughts about how they got to where they are right now to where they had to having to get rid of, you know, some very important and distinguished people. But I'm curious what are you what's your view? are you optimistic about ESPN seven eight, ten years down the road?
1: man I have no I have no clue I, I don't know anything about it i don't I don't know how it works. I, I don't know how we got to where we're at, but I know it's a different world you know I know you can get you know YouTube TV and get the top four games and get a collage put up there on the screen you know like I learned that actually today from <laughs> <with> somebody so <laughs> I know the streaming world has changed everything and, and all the stuff that goes into it and, and the way people consume things are different, but um, you know what, you know what people do, homie, is when there's a game on, on Saturday, I don't care what network it's on. Yeah. And I, and I bet you those Clemson folks that are listening and that follow Clemson, when there's a game on and it's on ESPN, they're going to go to ESPN. Yeah, And so I think that, you know them having the product that they have and the products that they have. I think that that's something that is a recipe for success. When you've got a great product, then it's it's kind of easy to have a, good, a lot of success in business.
0: David really enjoyed covering you a long time ago, and really enjoyed watching you on TV all those years. And I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, man. I really appreciate your time.
1: No problem, my man. Have a good one, brother.
0: Man, you know what makes college football great, always has, is the personalities involved. Whether we're talking Steve Spurrier, the late Mike Leach, or right now, Coach Prime, also a part of that fabric or the voices sort of on the periphery, those personalities. David Pollock is a part of that. And this dude needs to be back in college football in one form or another. Best of luck to him as he sort of charts his path, figures it all out. But, man, that guy, truly unique, and I really enjoyed that conversation. Appreciate the support of our sponsors for helping make this happen. And last but certainly not least, thanks to every one of you for taking the time to listen. Really appreciate it. Cheers.